Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Sunday special edition of A Vision for You Big Book Study. Today is Sunday, April 9th, 2017. The share ID for Friday, April 7th, 2017, for the 7 a.m. meeting is 9809, and for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 9810. I'll say that again for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time, 9809. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 9810. Today, A Vision for You presents Recovered, Not Cured, a daily reprieve. The Big Book uses the word recovered no less than 16 times very strong language and very possibly seen as being boldly presumptuous. Perhaps you have heard this word around the rooms of OA and wondered exactly what it means, recovered. What would one have to do in order to become recovered? Does it bring about something that says I will never go back? Does being recovered mean being cured? If I hadn't gotten over a serious illness of any kind, wouldn't I be cured? Therefore, my concern for care would be done, right? In the realm of the 12-step program, if I have been cured because I've worked the steps, am I not recovered and then also cured? We are about to see the difference, and there is a very distinct difference, perhaps a dangerous difference between the two. On page 85 of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, we are forewarned regarding this kind of reasoning. It is easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We are headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle foe. We are not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. The dangers of resting on our laurels. Hmm, suggest conditional reprieve and remission. Conditional reprieve and remission. No cure. Today we will hear one of our own at a vision for you. Her experience, her own experience of what the big book strongly teaches about being recovered but never cured. Her journey has taken her to both sides and back again with respect to this subject. She has recovered, and we are very pleased that Katie G has accepted the invitation to share with us her very incredible journey. Please help me welcome Katie G to the line this morning. Good morning, Katie G. Good morning, Melanie C. May I be heard? Yes. Wonderful. I'm going to start my timer. Oops, start. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. My name is Katie G, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic, calling in from Boston. Ooh, my heart is pounding, so I'm just going to start with one of my favorite prayers that I picked up along the way. <clears throat> I am the place where God shines through. Him and I are one, not two. I need not worry fret, or plan. He wants me where and as I am. And if I be relaxed and free, he'll carry out his plans through me. And thank you, Melanie C., for such a wonderful 
introduction, and I just want to begin by saying it is such a privilege to sit with all of you, my teachers, um, in recovery, and um, just very grateful to be on the line and to see all your shining faces that I know so well. So, recovered, not cured. Oh, I wanted to say too, like not 100% of my ideas are stolen from all of you and other <laughs> other people. Um, I'm not an expert um, in the big book or the history of it. Um, what I am an expert in is my own failures. And, um, and I operate on that today, what hasn't worked, and, and that's pretty great. I do the opposite. So why I wanted to talk today is I got lost, right? So um, I journeyed through the steps a couple times and found out I was recovered, and um, I got confused between recovered and not cured. Um, I have experience with relapse after being recovered, and I feel it's important to me, I felt it was important to look at what happened to me then and what misconceptions I had about being recovered versus being cured. <clears throat> One of my favorite AA speakers talks about how we go backwards through the steps, and that's really what I want to focus on today, how I got to step 12 and slowly through my own unraveling, 12, 11, 10, you know, not practicing the principles, found myself face down in the food in several instances. So we are on page 85 and it talks about, I have this daily reprieve as Melanie so beautifully read, contingent on the maintenance of my spiritual condition. Every day is a day when I must carry the vision of God, not Katie's will into all my activities. How can I best serve you, God, that I will not Katie's be done? These are thoughts which must go with me constantly. I can exercise my willpower along these lines. All we wish is the proper use of the will. And then it goes on to talk about how to live in the spiritual principles. So um, today, obviously, I just want to review for all of us so we're on the same page as we know and our teachers talk about every day so beautifully. What is our problem, right? Lack of power, that is my, my dilemma. No matter how hard I try, I will never have power choice or control with the food and that God is my source of power. So what's my twofold illness? I have an allergy to the body and an obsession of the mind. But as we learned from our teachers this week, it is this obsession of the mind that comes when I go backwards through the steps and ultimately I have a step one issue. So in other words, I'm, I'm cruising back. I started, it to, I got to step 12 and I'm starting cruising back, not practicing the principles. And I get to step one and I make the crazy insane idea again to pick up the food and I'm in delusional thinking, whether I believe that it's going to be different and here's how, or, um, you know, I can't recall the truth. My delusional thinking is so disconnected from God that eating is my only solution. So what do I do? Um, there is a solution, right? It tells us, page 25, almost none of us love the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the con confession of shortcomings, which the process requires for our, its successful consummation. If you are as seriously alcoholic as we were, we believe there's no middle of the road solution, right? We have two alternatives. Go on to the bitter end, keep binging, purging, and starving, or accept spiritual help. Um, which, you know, like in black and white, it sounds pretty easy. Like, I don't want to continue this misery, but it can become difficult. So, 
a couple definitions. What does recovered mean? And I, I'm going to be honest, guys. Like when I first heard Vision for You and recovered, I was like, hmm, what does that mean? That sounds a little crazy, right? Because it flew in the face of everything I knew. But my favorite book, The Dictionary, tells me recovered to become healthy after an illness, to save from loss and restore to usefulness. Okay, that's true. Like I, I was ill and I am useful today, thank God. And that's what the steps teach me is how to stay useful and stop serving the master of Katie. However, it's so different than cured, right? And um, I think sometimes, you know, I know for me when I was identifying as recovered, I started thinking I was cured, right? So cured is something that ends a problem or improves a bad situation. It says a complete and permanent solution or remedy. And I got to be honest, guys, I love you all. Like there are many of you who are like, I know you very well and vice versa. But if I was cured, I, I wouldn't be here. I'm not that good. So what do I have? I have a reprieve. What does this mean? And this is the best part, right? It means to delay the punishment of. A delay that keeps something bad from happening, right? Eating is a step up. I'm going to eat. I'm going to eat. A formal temporary suspension of the execution of a sentence, especially of death. I don't know about you guys, but my disease took me to the ends of the earth, and I have a life and death disease. So what it's telling me is I have a one-day delay, no more, contingent on what? What I'm doing, contingent on the quality of my, of my recovery, you know, entire abstinence, black and white, work in the steps, okay? And I love one of my, um, another AA speaker said, I have the ism, right? And I can't really translate it to food, but alcoholism. I don't have wasm. It's not the best. Anyway, so I have ism. So if I have ism, that's the present tense. So what am I going to do today? I never lose the ism. So re, what, what is relapse? Relapse is the recurrence of a past medical condition, return of an illness. Absolutely. So how many times did I get into the food and then get clean um, and then become ill again? And I do not use the word slip. Um, I never have like all of a sudden, oops, landed in, landed in the food. Um, it felt that way because of my delusional thinking, but I know that I have relapsed. I have broken my abstinence. So in order to um, presume the integrity of this talk today, I want to revisit a little bit what the text says about the mental state that precedes the first bite. And um, I want, uh, I'm not going to spend too much time because obviously last weekend we spent a lot of time um, in a wonderful discussion on that. I encourage you to go back to it, but just want to ground this talk in that. Um, so the book tells me, we shall describe some of the mental states that preceded relapse into drinking for ob obviously that is the crux or the central feature of the problem. So as my A sponsor first taught me, like, if I go backwards through the steps, if I hang on to that resentment, if I'm not living in 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, eating is going to be a step up from my thinking. Okay, so then we get to Jim. We talked about him last week. He's got this great automobile agency, a charming family, good salesman, everybody likes him. Nervous disposition, yes, that's me. No drinking until he was 35, and uh, he became so violent he had to be committed. Okay, I can understand that. He was sobered and he made a beginning. All went well for a time, but he failed to enlarge on his spiritual life and found himself drunk half a dozen times in rapid succession. And that is my truth. Like, you know, I think I'm living in 10, 11, and 12, but that's, there's that one thing I won't tell you, and we'll, we'll visit that. Like, my spiritual condition today is all about honesty. It's all about integrity. I am no longer living in that, um, you know, in the third step. It talks about we're the actor living the double life, right? 
So what I found is I was living double lives. Um, and I had no choice. I slid back through the steps and I had no power, no choice or control but to put that food in my mouth for relief. Um, so blah, blah, blah. Sorry, I'm just going through my notes. I didn't mean to say that. Anyway, um, so other, other times that I've gone out um, deliberately to, to eat, feeling myself justified by nervousness, anger, worry, depression, jealousy, or the like. Absolutely. Um, you know, being like, well, you know what? I, I don't want to deal with you. I'm so jealous of you. Get out of my face. I deserve to eat, okay? Um, then we have the jaywalker, okay? So we have this person playing in traffic. Stop, stop. Like, don't play in traffic. They get hurt. They go to the hospital. You think they're going to stop. They don't. And that is me time and time again with the food. Like, you'd think if I, if I could get that from my head to my heart, all the knowledge I had, about this food, like I would stop, but I can't. I am unable, on page 39, if the actual or potential alcoholic will be absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. Self-knowledge avails me what? Nothing, okay? So then we get to Fred, he tells his story, and as my teachers on this line have taught me, he tells his story, right, about what happened. And there are 11 times he says I, right? and. And what I have discovered is that this process of maintaining the spiritual principles, it's about growth and death of self, death of KDG for successful living. No more eyes. No more eyes. My life is none of my business because A, I'm a food addict and I cannot manage my own life. B, no human power can relieve my food addiction and C, God can and will if he is sought. But okay, so Fred, the insane idea wins out again, um, and he didn't even realize it was insane. I totally, totally get that. Um, on page 42, it talks about having an alcoholic mind, power, and willpower, and self-knowledge would not help me, which is unbelievable to, you know, the great KDG who um, grew up in a very intellectual household. How could my knowledge not help me? And it talks about how the process snuffed out the last flicker of conviction that I could do this on myself. The program of action, though entirely sensible, was drastic. It meant I would have to throw several lifelong conceptions out of the window, like, you know, getting my needs met, taking care of me, fighting others, living in fear. Um, and quite important is the discovery that what? Spiritual principles, so our 12 steps, would solve my problem. In that daily reprieve, I have got to practice it in the daily reprieve. Um, so once more, I go backwards through the steps, so I've, I'm going to get to um, a little bit more about my story, but, you know, I put that food in my mouth after being recovered, not realizing I'm insane, believing the lie that this time it's going to be different, or as one of our teachers has been teaching me, like, when I'm disconnected from God, right, like, so I've gone through the steps, I'm sliding backwards, I have delusional thinking, and I can't differentiate the truth from the false. And that is what is so different for me today, is I can differentiate the truth from the false. Like I have this knowledge that when I'm all itchy inside, it's my problem. It is a spiritual axiom that when I'm disturbed, it's about me. So I'm on the phone. I'm doing my 10th step. I'm doing my 11th step. And I am asking all of you for spiritual considerations to get my hand back in God. Um, otherwise, I am going to eat. Um, Two other points I just want to bring up. It talks about, and please correct me, I'm sure this is wrong, but it talks in a couple places, I'm sure there are more, that it promises us that we're going to eat again, right? One of them is when we don't do all our amends, and the other is our sex conduct. 
So it says, suppose we fall short of this chosen ideal and stumble. Does this mean we're going to get drunk? If we are not sorry and our conduct continue, continues, or our sex conduct, to harm others, we are quite sure to eat. And that is very true for me. Um, every time I went out, it has been around my sex conduct. And my humble opinion is, is that's because for me, my sex conduct affects all aspects of my identity, my self-esteem, my security, my ambition, my personal relations, my pride, and it causes me fear, right? Um, so, okay, so we've had our background in the text, so let's get to um, a little bit more of my experience. Um, so I came in 15 years ago. And um, I came into a facet of OA. I got the diet. I met the certain light, like timeline achievement, and I was cured. I literally chose to eat. Like the partner that I was with at the time said she wanted to go home for the holidays. I said no. So I was like, all right, I'm going to eat. I, if I eat, you know, I don't have to deal with you. Um, it happened again. And um, I will say just for the context of my story, I've never left Overeaters Anonymous. And, that, and I've always had this god-given desire to grow and change and i don't know why that's just a gift um so when i'm talking about this just remember i'm i'm still in the rooms so i ate again i did some step work not out of the book um and i got into a relapse i couldn't get out of um so i moved to boston which is where i'm from to get out of the disease i got abstinent and my whole life was program i got into program when i was pretty young not as young as some of you but um in my early 20s and um, I did the steps in another form. And people and things were still my God. Um, so I had, you know, my, my issue, like everybody kind of has their thing, um, was all the shame that I felt around my sex conduct. And I remember, like, early absence, having done the steps and looking at these women in my fellowship and, and thinking and saying, if you knew what I had done, if a man knew what I had done, he could never love me. He could never love me. And what I've learned today is that I had to go inside and feel God's love and be released of the shame, right? And I had to be okay with Katie in order to feel the love of another person because no human power, right? No human power. So the reason I mention that is because this shame around my sex conduct brought me to the big book step study process, which some of you know it's in Boston. We don't rush through the steps, please forgive me. Um, I, the first time I wrote my step four, I had 147 resentments, 300 fears, and I did my sex conduct. It took me about a year, and I, I don't regret the time, guys. So, I mean, whatever your sponsor says is right, um, but this is just my experience. I don't regret that time. Um, I was clinging to program. I had no other life but program in my job, and it was okay. So I got to step 10, 11, and 12, and I do believe I had an initial spiritual awakening. But I was also disappointed, right? Like, because I get through the steps, and I'm like, go, go, go. And then, like, I'm still doing the same crazy behaviors. So it did lead to progress. Um, I was fired from a job I didn't belong in. Um, and I, um, with God's help, I walked through tremendous fears um, of not being able to do math. I took high school math. I took the GREs three times with panic attacks. And I got into grad school um, for a program I never knew existed, a career I never knew existed. And that, to me, is really a sign like God had a, had a job, has a job for me. And um, I went through that first process. And, and that's where God brought me. So I'm in grad school and graduating. This is the first kind of slip I want to, or break I want to, look, I did it. Ha! 
first kind of break. See, I am so human. Okay, um, so I'm back. So where I start to backslide through the steps. So a lot of you, all my friends on Vision, know that um, when I first came on to Vision, I was um, in grad school and graduating. I was in uh, a relationship, and I want to talk about my back backwards through the steps. So um, step twelve. I was spiritually awake and grateful, but I was still blocked. And I came into the Vision for You rooms, and I heard recovered, and I heard that your bellies were on fire. Man, we're on fire. And I was like, yeah, I'm recovered. We don't use that word a lot in Boston unless you're at a specific Vision for You meeting. In the big book step study process, we don't. Um, and I, I started sharing on the Vision for You line, and it, um, it really started to feed my ego. A lot of you may remember like i um there was a desperation in me about doing service um for the wrong reasons and i really looked to sharing each and every day because i needed like a hit like i was using it um you know step 12 is practicing the principles in all our affairs not selfishness and i was using sharing and being somebody like i wanted to have my thing and i wanted to i want y'all know i'm the great kg like hear me roar like i'm gonna save this program and y'all don't need my saving and i stumped on a lot of toes so i had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps but i do not believe i was doing the, the what god wanted me to do in terms of practicing the principles in all my affairs i was gossiping in grad school um, i was very self-seeking with my teachers and I was in a relationship and I wanted him to be with me. That's all I wanted him to do. I wanted him to be the man that was going to save me. So step 12, I'm slipping back into 11. So I'm disconnected. Um, the step 11 that I do right now um, starts with a formal written inventory. And I talked like I was connected, but I didn't make time for God. I made time for vision for you meeting so that I could really get on here and not remember like we are here because we are dying if we're not if we're not here right like i need this fellowship this is my doctor's appointment um and i would send a written inventory but it was filled with restlessness and irritation um and i wasn't praying not the way i do today guys i wasn't seeking god i wasn't using the steps to inform each step so i wasn't using four or five uh, six and seven to identify character defects, and then um, eight and nine to, to make amends, and then 10 to identify character defects again and make amends, 11 to identify character defects so I can pray to God to remove them. So I'm slipping back into 10, right? So 10 talks about growing in understanding and effectiveness. I knew how to do the work. I mean, Big, Big Rick said that he taught me how to do the work, but I still felt everyone was wronging me. Like I wanted to be more in everywhere. I wanted to be more in grad school. I wanted to mean more to this man. I wanted to mean more to Vision for You. I wanted to be, I wanted to be a leader, not a trusted servant. Um, and I made amends when I could see my behavior was really bad. Um, but that wasn't, uh, that wasn't, you know, my primary purpose. So I'm slipping back um, from step 10. And then I am going, let me see, sorry, I just got lost. So obviously eight and nine. So I'm gossiping in school. I'm jealous of other women. I'm competitive. I was wanting the man to put my needs to be in a relationship first before his wants, needs, or capabilities. So I was unable to see my wrongs. Step six and seven, I was not willing to change how I was doing things. Um, school came first, not program. There's a saying in program, fit your, uh, fit your life into your program and not your program into your life. And that was not how I was working. And my excuse was, if you were in grad school, you would do what I'm doing. Like, I'm not, I'm doing what I have to do. Um, and, you know, steps four and five, um, 
I was back in the bedevilments. I was having trouble with personal relationships in school. I was having trouble with personal relationships with all of you. I wanted you all to fix me and to make me better. I was, you know, doing destruction that thanks be to God I've made amends for, but I couldn't, like, and I, was, I did feel useful, useless unless other people were, um, you know, pumping me up, and I was full of fear, and I was unhappy. So that's um, the bedevilments, and I wasn't really having any integrity with looking at myself um, every day or yearly for steps four and five. Um, I was daily filled with fear, so turning my will and my life over to the care of God. I was very controlled about my school. I wasn't turning anything over. And, you know, step two, I didn't realize how I was living was insane, that to live to get a 12-step group to fill me up, to live to get a man to fill me up, to live to get grad school to fill me up, that's insane thinking. And I ultimately got so angry that, again, eating was a step up. I was very distracted. Ultimately, when I was practicing steps 12 through 2, I got to the place where everyone was wrong. Um, and I just picked up on, oh, so what happened is the guy dumped me. Yep. So I'm like, all right, well, if you're going to dump me, I'm going to pick up the food. So, um, thank you to God. I got back on track after relapse. I went informally through the steps. I did make some amends, um, especially in this community and just felt so blessed by the love I got back. Um, I got right with God and other people. I, um, corrected behavior and let the relationship go and threw myself into service, service and work. Um, was graduated, I got a job, and I and I found myself immediately overworking because, again, I, I was still filled with a lot of fear. Fear is my, even today I work on fear a lot. Um, and I stopped, and I met the man who's now my husband. And um, one of the things I want to share is, like, if you relapse, like, I learned from my relapses, and I know that there's so much shame and self-hatred around it. Like, stop. Like, if you pick up the food because you backslide through the steps and eating is a step up, like we have a choice, right? Like, and we can continue. Like we are, we're surrounded by doctors who can help us. Anyway, so I'm, um, I did that informal working of the steps and let's get to step 12, right? So I, I was kind of at step 12. I was sponsoring um, and I was working and I wasn't starting to practice the principles in all my affairs. So what happened is I'm in this relationship with the man that I'm married to now, and um, it was wonderful. And he looked at my body and he said he was needing to get comfortable with the skin on my body, that he wasn't comfortable with it. And that really triggered fear that, like, again, led to me getting into a double life and picking up the food. Um, so what happened was somehow the very quiet voice said to me, I know you're working, I know you're being paid and you're billing patients, but why don't you just go to it, go to work out? So I started leaving work without clocking out on their timeline. And I was, I was leaving work for one, two hour a day and I had no integrity, but I wasn't conscious. Like I wouldn't let myself see that I was lying. So in terms of practicing the program, I wasn't practicing honesty. I wasn't releasing the man who's now my husband to be the man who wanted to be. I was trying to be someone I thought he wanted. And I was trying to get him to give me something that only God can give me. So not practicing the principles, back to step 11, like I talked like I was connected, but I didn't make time for God. I was doing my inventory, but I wasn't being honest. In terms of step 10, perseverance, I know how to do the inventory. I am a cognitive person, but this is not a cognitive pro pro program. This is about taking it out of my mind and into my heart and into my behaviors. And I was obsessed about my husband. Was he texting me or not? 
Um, you know, and I didn't really want to see the truth. I called y'all and you guys were like, Katie, release him, let go. And I didn't know how. Um, I wasn't growing in understanding and effectiveness. I wasn't taking corrective measures. So I would do a step 10 and I wasn't changing my behavior. So if I'm not doing that, I'm not making amends. Steps eight and nine. And uh, step six and seven, I'm not identifying my character defects of selfishness, um, dishonesty. You know, I was presenting well with my husband. We were connected. And at the same time, like I was showing up, we would go out um, drinking. I wasn't drinking, but um, I was pushing myself. I was pushing my program in ways that I don't believe God wanted me to um, and not setting good boundaries. And, you know, I'm not doing an inventory as well as I could. I'm not being honest. And I believed the lie that if my body was thin enough, I would be okay. If this man just stayed with me, I would be okay. And so I get to step three, right? And I was daily filled with fear. And um, I love the um, page 61. It talks about what usually happens. The show doesn't come off very well. I begin to think life's not treating me right. I exert myself more. So I'm, I'm trying harder to make my body get into something acceptable. And working out more, I become on the next occasion still more demanding or gracious as the case may be. Still, the play doesn't suit me. Like, I'm having problems with work, work relationships. I'm leaving work. Of course, I'm having problems. Nobody's catching me. Um, I was angry, indignant, self-pitying. What's my basic trouble? I am back into the KDG show. I am trying to get what I want. I am trying to rest satisfaction and happiness. If I get that man, I wouldn't feel the way I feel. If I get that, if I, you know, get that super body, I won't have to be who I am. You know, and, and ultimately, you know, I, I had to quit playing God, but I had already backslid so far that I couldn't see that God was my director. Like I wasn't living, I wasn't practicing any program. I mean, I was, but I, because of the lack of integrity, my mind was getting louder and louder. Step two, I can't see that I'm insane. I was pushing my program, not taking care of myself. I wasn't drinking, but I, I didn't, I don't particularly love being around people who are getting trashed and I, and I could have set more boundaries. And so I didn't have any honesty, right? Like the first principle of step one is honesty. I was exercising all the time and being paid for it. I was committing Medicare fraud. I wasn't being the person that I truly am with my husband today and eating was the only option. And I was filled with human emotions, right? And I wasn't using God to help me. So I relapsed. Eating was a step up. And, um, I finally found a woman and I I think I asked her to sponsor me like 12 times before she asked me, she, she said she could. And I'm like snot nose messy crying because I was desperate. Like I was, um, somebody says in the rooms, I went from yeah, but to yes, ma'am, you know, whatever she wanted me to do. I was so desperate and I was in so much pain and relapse. Um, and we did the steps formally and, um, the biggest shift guys. Okay. So this is why you need a recovered community, man. Like, so I'm, uh, I admitted all, like we went through my food and I got back on track going through the steps, right? And I remember calling someone because I realized in my soul, it went from my head to my soul that I was lying about, about my job and I was committing Medicare fraud and I had to get honest. So I called somebody on the line and I'd never talked to her before. I'm like snot and I was messy crying. And I told her, I said, and I need you to hold me accountable. Like I'm going to talk to my sponsor. I'm going to text her. I'm going to email her all this information about my lying. And then, um, and then I'm going to text you back. And there has been such a shift in my whole life. I told my sponsor and she coached me. She coached me back through 
to how to start having integrity and how to not live in fear. Um, and something, um, you know, and I was able to, I went formally through the steps and um, I was able to make amends. I talked to my boss. I told her I wasn't living in integrity and that I was committed to doing a better job. I wrote out a check for $4,000 for the Medicare fraud and I, I gave it to my patients um, by talking to the activities director. I made amends to the man that I was with. And um, irony of irony, um, today in a recovered state of mind and body, like I remember thinking if he just would accept me um, as my for my body, I would be okay. And um, I did the steps and I, um, I, I accepted me for me, right? Like, and I realized that I'm a beautiful woman today inside and out and I am worthy of recovery and he's entitled to his opinion. So about a month ago, um, I'm going through um, treatment for infertility and my body has changed profoundly. Um, I look like I'm pregnant despite, you know, the way I'm working my program. And, um, and I have a lot of, I'm having a very hard time with that. Um, you know, not binging and putting on clothes that don't fit. And uh, my husband looks at me and he's like, babe, babe, who cares what other people think? He's like, I love you. I think you're hot. And um, it was so funny. And I was sharing it with a recovered friend, like, to me, like the real state of mind and body of being recovered is like when something finally comes to you in your life that you think is going to change your life at one point and you think it's the one thing you think you need. And like, I was like, okay, I didn't need that. There had been a shift because of the steps, because of the inventory, because of getting honest, because realizing that exercise, just like the food, it's not going to fix me. You know, like that's the delusional thinking is that something out there, if I just get control of something, it will fix me. And isn't that amazing? Like today, you know, um, my head is not cured. I have a daily reprieve. I, I have unhealthy thinking. Like I said to my husband a week ago, there was something in the in the refrigerator. And I said, you know what, dude, like if we don't take care of that, like let's take care of that. Let's let's eat that or, or do something with it. And um, I'm not afraid of the food. Like it's in my house. But I have a second thought, like even if I think because I've had a horrible day and I have that buildup of human emotions, you know, that food is starting to look good. I have a second thought today, right? And that to me, again, is what recovered is like I have a second thought. So like when I was working the steps before, instead of, you know, um, you know, leaving work dishonestly, like I didn't have a second thought of Katie, you really should, shouldn't do that or I didn't pay attention. Um, I also, I just want to say I do the steps every year now. I know not everybody does. Um, for me, I heard this great metaphor this morning, and I hope I can apply it. So I wear glasses, right? So every day they get dirty. And my eyes kind of adjust to that dirty. But if I'm living in step 10, 11, and 12, I get them clean on a daily basis, right? And they get they get clean, and I can see again. I mean, I have to clean my glasses every day. It gets really, really scary. So, but for me too, like I have to go to the eye doctor every year and she frequently adjusts my prescription. And that's for me, I have to do steps one through nine. I've been in the rooms for such a long time that um, it's very helpful. Like um, I did the steps as I've referenced now and I uh, had a spiritual awakening with the man I'm with and um, my job and all these relationships. And, um, and right before we got married, I did the steps again one through nine because for me i had to get current with where i was right now with my powerlessness and my unmanageability so what's my life like today um 
So yeah, I need to know where I am with my powerlessness and unmanageability today. Um, and I wanted to be clean and clear before starting this next step of marriage because I was like, I've never done this before. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so today, thanks be to God, I do know just today that I'm never going to be cured. I know that my program can unfold backwards if I don't continue to live my life to the fullest each day, keeping program and connectivity with God first. So let's go forward through the steps. Step one, I admit I am powerless over food. Dash, my life is unmanageable. You guys, my life is still unmanageable today, but it's not unmanaged. I heard this. I'm stealing it. God manages my life through my daily working of the steps. I know I cannot, I could go back to the food in a heartbeat, but I have to have a daily surrender. So for me, that looks like a committed black and white plan of eating, committed black and white plan of exercise, committed black and white around the food, um, because I'm a naturally undisciplined person and I can get gray. I have no business being gray around food and my food behaviors, my body weight, or my exercise. Because as we've talked about um, during this, this talk today, I hope I've illustrated, like, when I start managing again, ultimately the thinking is so bad that eating is a step up. Um, and dash, like, my, my life doesn't become manageable ever. God does a much better job managing my life today. Um, Step two, came to believe that a power greater than me could restore me to sanity. So each and every day, like, I have to tell you on my gratitude list, it's this recovered community. Like, holy smokes, like, I was filled by you guys yesterday. Um, I know that life is not easy, but I also know that my thinking is not to be trusted. So I still have fears, guys. I still have crazy thinking. Um, my, my thinking says that if I had what you had, I would feel good and be happy all the time. And it, it's through my daily surrender that I can walk through life and have the first thought come and then realize the, the second. And a lot of times I need you guys. A lot of times I need you guys to remind me, oh, yeah, Katie, what's the, what's the truth here? Is God everything or he is nothing? So thank God, food is not my solution. Exercise doesn't fix it. Like I live a happy, contented life today. As we talk about, I don't want the food. I don't. And, um, and God uses me. Uh, I'm walking through, as I said, I'm walking through in vitro fertilization and dealing with something that's very, very profoundly painful in my life. You know what? Like I have a place to go today. Like I have a home. You all are my home. I've never had a home. When I was binging my brains out and I was a little girl, like I never had a, I, I was so alone. And each day, like I act my way into right thinking, like I start my day with gratitude. Um, because I am, I, 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 my thinking is, if I'm not like clean, if my glasses aren't cleaned, my thinking starts to get crazy again. Step three, made a decision to turn our will in my life over to the care of God as we understand him. So I, I, you know, in other words, so um, the third step prayer talks about, may others bear witness to those I would help. Meaning not, God, take away this problem so that, like, let me get pregnant just so that um, I feel better. But like take away my difficulties so victory all of them can help you guys, right? Like because you guys show up and you talk to me about your pains with your husband or your job because we all have a pain, right? Like this is life. This is a human condition and it is beautiful and wonderful and painful, right? But you guys remind me like I like being an adult today, being a grown up means that I accept that there is a good and a bad. 
Um, you know, and I, it's funny because the difference between living and 12 step, I joined a group for women going through, um, IVF and, um, I had to leave and I'm not saying you should leave whatever groups you're a part of, because I think we should grow and under, uh, grow and explore groups. But everybody just kept saying to me, Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for your pain. And they stayed there and y'all, I call you and you're like, I'm so sorry for your pain. Um, what are you doing today? Like, how are you going to stay accountable to all of us and not slip away in your dishonesty? Um, and that's amazing. So um, steps four and five, every year I do the steps to keep me unblocked. Um, and, um, you know, I look at what are my selfish attitudes and behaviors towards others. Um, I, I talk to all of you about what's going on. I have to. I have to. The minute I have a dishonesty, i got to call my sponsor. i got to get it out because I, otherwise it's going to build up, backslide, eating's a step up, right? So then step six and seven. So, yeah, guys, I do my inventory and a lot of character defects come up. I'm acutely aware of them today, my selfishness. So I want everyone to put my needs first, and I need to learn to practice the opposite. I need to pray for my husband, pray that he gets everything he wants, that he can do what he wants today. I can be filled with fear. What if I lose my husband? What if I don't get enough hours at work and can't pay my bills? These are regular character defects, and if you know me, you know these are my, my issues, right? So I have to practice faith, right? Like a fear... I'm learning how to deal with fear. Like I had two days this week that my body felt fear, okay? You know what I'm talking about, like that hand, whatever, squeezing on my heart. But what did it mean to practice the opposite? I mean, it meant I showed up. I looked down at my feet. I breathed through the fears and did the next right thing. And ultimately it passed, and I prayed. I'm um, jealousy. Guys, I'm jealous. I think, you know what, I just want to be pregnant now. It's not fair. Why is everybody getting what I want, right? That, that jealous thinking, that lie, if I had what you had, I wouldn't feel what I feel. If you did what I wanted, I wouldn't feel what I feel, right? But I'm going to feel what I feel because I'm a human being and I'm an addict and I'm naturally filled with selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. So what do I have to do in step six and seven every day? Practice the opposite, I'm praying, guys. That's something that started for me a couple years ago after I did this stuff again. Like, I'm praying joyously for women who are pregnant, who are having babies. I'm praying that the people, that my husband has a wonderful day, that he has health and integrity each and every day. And I'm praying that God change me, right, and show me. And I'm praying for the women at work who are not giving me what I think I need. I'm praying. I'm just in constant prayer because only God can change me. Um, so steps eight and nine, like, I, I do make amends. I don't say I'm sorry anymore, but I do, like, husband, I regret my behavior, dude. Like I was demanding. I am in a lot of fear right now. Like I'm profoundly sad and you don't deserve for me to treat you that way. I regret my behavior. Right. Um, so I clean up my behaviors daily with all your help. And then perseverance. Look guys, 10, 11, and 12, we have to grow in understanding and effectiveness. And I'm going to be honest, right? Like the truth can hurt there are times when my best people in these rooms tell me things that hurt, but you know what? I love it. Bring it on, guys. Bring it on because I do not want to choose to. I do, do not want to put that food in my mouth. And it means practice the willingness to bear discomfort, to call you guys. I continue, continue, continue. And I do a step 10 turnaround and I identify my character defects. I make amends. 
promptly, and then I try and help others. Um, step 11, okay. So it starts with when I retire at night, I constructively review my day. For me, that means a formal written inventory and what's different now, like I'm not lying. It, I lied, I lived a triple quadruple life for so long and when I do lie, I'm immediately bringing it to another recovered person. I use the information that I get in my formal written inventory on step 11, that first part, to inform my prayer that evening. God, I fell short at work today. How, how can I do differently? And in the morning, the next morning, God, I fell short at work with my husband. Are we catching a theme? How can I do differently? To improve that conscious contact with God, to let him teach me what death of self or successful living means. And of course, step 12, right? Like, like helping, trusting God, cleaning house, helping others. Um, having had a spiritual awakening, like I continue to wake up to God, to his presence. It's about trusting God, cleaning house, and helping others. Um, I know I have about four minutes left. So, you know, being of service, like I'm going to tell you what, you guys. I'm a recovered compulsive eater, anorexic, and bulimic, and I show up at work today, and I treat my patients, and I'm not thinking about me. Holy smokes, 180. I didn't do that. God did. Um, and with my with my relationship with my husband, like I'm not that creative. You know, I'm an old. I was an older bride, and um, I remember when I first met my husband. I thought he was too short. I could never be with him. Um, and I, I'm still KDG. You know, I still fall short. But I have this man that we're on this journey together that God is in the center of, and God is going to provide for us. Um, so I'm of service to him. I'm of service to my patients. And most importantly, most significantly, I'm of service to all of you. So page 100, my favorite promise. Both you and the new man must walk day by day in the progress. If you persist, remarkable things will happen. When we look back, we realize that the things that came to us when we put ourselves in God's hands were better than we could have planned. Follow the dictates of a higher power and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world, no matter what your present circumstances, right? Because we all got our thing, guys, right? Like I got my painful thing and it's okay, right? Because I have a God today and he's there for me. He holds my hand when I'm scared. He calms me down. And he also, I have all of you, like G-O-D, like group of drunks, like you guys help me get my hand back in God's. Um, so the things that have come to me through working this program are astonishing. I don't want to eat. I don't think about eating. Um, I have a place to go every day. I have daily service to others. I have friends in program. I love you guys. You tell me the truth. I have a career that is of service, and I don't live a fractured life. I have a man I love that I'm completely honest with daily, and I'm not asking him to be anyone other than he is, except for yesterday when I had to do step 10s. <laughs> and then I had to get my hand back in God and work on my prayers, right, because I'm, like, falling short, just like we do. I'm not engaging in exercise addiction. And for those of you who struggle with it, like, I'm going to be honest, it was nothing that I did to get out of that. Like, I had, I had no choice. I was told because of my medical issues that I had to stop exercising. And so it was like, okay, well, exercise can't be my God. God has to be my God. I have relationships with others. Like, I don't know about you, but um, I spent a lot of time when in, in, like, I made heavy going of life. You know, that's part of the um, bedevilment it talks about. I make heavy going of life. I have family around me today. I have in-laws. I have colleagues. 
I went on a movie date with a girlfriend yesterday. It was great. And I want to be in right relationships with people and not hide. Most importantly, whenever I'm unhappy, I know that it is a spiritual axiom that when I am disturbed, it's not about you guys. It's about me. It's, it's me falling short because of that daily reprieve, like that's what's going to happen, and I need to immediately do work on that. Um, I wa- I'm walking through and, through and facing my deepest fears, medical uncertainty, painful procedures, but I want to live through it, right? Like there's, a, um, <clears throat> there's an acceptance that you guys have all brought me to, right? Like this has been a huge process in my life recently, and you guys all have, have taught me that um, – that life is going to happen, right? Like life is going to be in session, and I'll close with this, Melanie. Life is going to be in session whether I'm eating or not, right? But like I never ate lightly. I never, you know, except for Diet Coke, I never exercise lightly. I want 110% of my recovery today, um, and so I give 110% of myself. And I pray that you all feel the spiritual consideration from me to help me stay accountable. So when you hear me falling off track, you help me get on. And I am nothing but 100,000% grateful to all of you sitting there. I would not be alive. And I have a life today. And um, I've been given multiple opportunities to live one life. I'm like the cat with a thousand lives. And I want to do everything I can to walk shoulder to shoulder with you guys today. So God bless you. I love you. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Katie G. You offered so much of yourself today, and that testimony is just the proof positive of the power of the big book and the promises to every single one of us. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. We will ask Katie G to leave her contact information at the conclusion of the recording, so be prepared for that. It will be after probably the question and answer time. Now we will open up these lines for questions to Katie Katie regarding her presentation this morning. Melissa Singh? Hang on just one second here. Let me prepare. Hang on just one second, please. So I heard, I think, Jamie and Melissa. Is that true? Melissa? Yes. Yeah. Hang on, please. Just a second. I want to make sure I get these, these folks in order here. And I hear several other people. I didn't hear the next three. I have Jamie W. and Melissa C. Maura Z. Hey, Maura. Thank you. Anyone else? Kathy C. Kathy C. Thanks for your patience with me this morning. Anyone else for questions for Katie? Gladys F. Gladys F. Okay. Let's go with that group. Thank you so much. Jamie W., your question for Katie. Uh, Thank you, um, Melanie C., and thank you, um, Katie G., for your presentation. Question. Can you share with us how you work your step 10 and step 11? Sure. I'd love to. I love step 10 and 11. So what I was taught is um, step 10 is your walking around step, right? So like when you are, whenever I am irritated during the day, I need to do a step 10. So um, sorry for the colloquialisms in um, that I've been taught. So Not everybody knows what I'm talking about. So a turnaround, as I identify it, is what we're first taught in step four, okay? So when I'm resentful, I look at who am I resentful at, what it affects, and then I ask myself four questions. Where am I selfish? 
where am I self-seeking? So what are my attitudes, actions, and behaviors that I'm doing to get my selfish needs met? What is the lie I'm telling myself? So you owe me. It's not fair. I'm a victim. And what's the truth? You don't owe me. And I actually do the same behaviors you're doing, I'm accusing you of. And what is my fear, right? So when I have a step 10 issue, I work in healthcare. I can't always get to it, right? So I'll make a mental note of it. I'll put it in my phone. I'll go to the bathroom. Um, and then when I can, I, I always call somebody else and give them, I say, you know, can we do a step 10? So I'm calling Melanie C. Melanie C., I have a step 10. Can we talk about it? In fact, wait, I gave one to somebody yesterday and we prayed first. And then I, I presented my resentment to them and I did the turnaround where am I selfish, dishonest, self-seeking and afraid. I identified my character defects. I thought I was willing to have them removed. I identified what the opposite was. I identified with that person what, my, um, what I thought my amends might be. And then I said, tell me what your spiritual considerations are. Okay, so that's step 10 during the day. So step 11, if you look at pages 84 to 88, step 11 starts with a formal, well, what I was taught, please do what your sponsor says. I am not here to tell you what to do. Um, so for me, KDG, step 11 starts with a, um, a, an inventory at night. When we retire at night, we constructively review our day. Where were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? So for me, I um, if I'm still piping on that step 10 uh, invent on that step 10 resentment, I do it again or I refer to it. I do that inventory, right? So I send it to my sponsor and a couple recovered buddies, and then I use that. So where did I fall short? I use that to inform my evening prayer. Dear God, I was a bozo again with my husband. Dear God, I was a bozo at work. I got really self-righteous. How can I do it differently tomorrow? So step 11 continues on awakening. Let us think about the 24 hours ahead. So for me, I get up, I get on my knees. I ask God to help me stay abstinent, sober, and sane today. Um, I take uh, some quiet time. I talk to my sponsor. I talk to my sponsee. This is all part of my step 11. I listen to um, pages 84 to 88. Um, I also listen to some prayers and pray with that. Um, and then I have my prayers right? I pray for my husband for about like five minutes because I don't know how to be a wife. God's got to help me, right? I pray for all the women who are pregnant, right? I pray for all of the women walking through IVF. I pray for all of us walking in this line, in the, on this line. And I pray for um, my colleagues. I pray for my patients. And I, I just do some directed prayer so that I can get in the right mode. And I ask God to show me, okay, God, what's the day? Um, in talking to my sponsor, I talk to her about what, where I fell short yesterday. I tell her what I'm grateful for, what, what I felt, where I fell short yesterday, what's on the agenda today, and I welcome her spiritual considerations to help me be a different woman. So then when I am, so what's confusing is is step 10 and 11 overlap, because 11 talks about conscious contact, right? So, but if I, for me, when I'm doing a step 10, like during the day when I'm falling short, I'm disconnected from God, right? So that's, like step 11, but I'm doing a step 10 turnaround. And um, part of my step 11 during the day is constant prayer. So the minute I hear that negativity, God, I'm a beautiful woman inside and out. I am worthy of recovery. I'm a beautiful woman inside and out. I am worthy of being a mom. God, I know you've got this. I know you've got this. I know that you, this is better. I do a lot of mantra work because what I was taught is, you know, my thinking leads to my actions. Thought, um, thought makes action, action makes habit, habit makes character, character makes destiny. Um, so I'm just, and then 
I get back to step, you know, I do my step 10s during the day. I'm talking with all of you. Um, and then I get to my step 11, right, in the evening when I retire at night. So it's this beautiful circle. Um, again, I know that we all have different ways of working it. I think that there's no wrong way to work it as long as you're doing your inventory, acknowledging your character defects, and a piece that I missed for so long, which is prayer to say, God, change me, show me who to be. And then also talking to you, like I've surrounded myself with other married women because I'm learning to be a wife. I surround myself, like there's a woman in program who has the exact same career as mine and she helped me make amends in a very connected way. Like um, I need to learn, I need to grow. And that's, that's step 10 and 11, that's learning and growing. Um, I hope that answers your question and obviously call me and I can, uh, we can talk. Thank you, Jamie, for the question. Melissa C., your question. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C. Um, thank you so much, Katie. You um, mentioned taking people through the steps, um, you know, that how you went through the steps, what, that it was a slower, you mentioned like a Boston way. And I'm just wondering, is that, what you do today when you take people through the steps and when you yourself go through it again yearly, what, how exactly do you do that? Sure, Melissa. Thank you so Thanks, much for yeah. your question. Yeah. So um, what I meant the Boston way is like big book step study in Boston um, out of like Hyannis. We're notorious for these really big inventories. So you guys have really taught me a lot about this. Um, so for me, Melissa, to answer your question, I, I've done so many inventories now, I can go through it pretty quickly. So I referenced right before I got married, I think that that took three weeks, um, like one to 12, or I was living in 10, 11, 12. I think that took three weeks at the most, um, which is pretty great, um, at least it was for me. Um, in terms of my sponsees, um, the women I work with, you, I, I say to them in the beginning, you, you dictate this process, like what you're willing to put in, you know, um, you'll get out. Um, so I really follow their lead. So I will give them deadlines and I have um, commitments to them. Like, what are you willing to put in? How much writing are you willing to do every day? And we talk about that. Um, and I think, I mean, the woman, I just took a um, step five and thank God she's living, she's making amends now. Um, I think it took uh like a month or two which again is longer than all of you guys and i do acknowledge that first time like we've got to get through with timeliness but in my humble opinion like if i go too fast i don't develop the strong foundation of um, living in 10 11 and 12 and like what a turnaround is and um i'm a big believer in um saving somebody's life and getting us through efficiently um, but I do, it's like an, um, it's an ongoing process in terms of the time. I don't, I would never have a newcomer um, take a year through the steps. Um, that would really be kind of crazy. Um, but again, it's, it's on a um, person by person basis that we, we, we do that. I hope that answers your question. Thank you, Melissa C. Yeah, and thank you. Katie. Um, Maura Z, you're next. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you, Katie G. Um, wow. I so appreciate your, your honesty, the level of your honesty, and I so appreciate your passion for this program, and I share that. I do have a question, and that is, um, 
I'm wondering, as you're doing your 10 and 11 every day, <clears throat> excuse me, and um, thoroughly, why do you feel the need to do um, another inventory every year? Great question. Great question. Thanks for asking, Worthy. Um, there's a group of alcoholics that I listen to, and I can tell you um, offline who they are. Um, but they talk about getting current with my step one powerlessness and unmanageability now on this moment. And for me, and y'all can have your opinions, but just for my program, I don't want to know where I was with my step one powerlessness and unmanageability last year. I want to know where I am now. And for me, again, I, I was doing more as steps 10 and 11 when I was leaving work and committing Medicare fraud and lying. So something didn't work for me about 10 and 11, like just 10, 11, and 12. And what I have found is that getting back to step one um, and doing that. Now, while I'm sponsoring other women, um, I know some, for some of you it works like you're sponsoring another woman and you're taking her through, so that's your way of going through. For me, it's both. Um, I don't know why. I don't, I mean, I, whatever your sponsor says, do it. Um, but I really need to be current on my step one powerlessness and unmanageability. Um, like, you know, right before I got married on, you know, my husband and on my exercise addiction, because I don't know about you guys, but as I've stayed in the rooms, like the list of foods <laughs> that I get powerless over has gotten longer and behaviors. Like I wasn't lying about exercise when I first came into the rooms and it developed over time. So it's just, and you know, sometimes I think this is all a matter of semantics because I work with all of you and I hear what you do um, and I hear you go back to step one without maybe calling it a step one. So I'm not here to create controversy or ruffle feathers, but I've really, um, you know, when, when I hear people talk about their, you know, step one powerlessness as it related to 20 years ago, like I do better talking about it now. It's just me. It's just what, it's just what's working for me. So. I'm not, you know, and I always want to grow. So, like, maybe, you know, you and I will talk more and I'll be like, oh, well, her way of doing it is better. I mean, I, I'm, I just need to learn. I just need to learn and keep seeking God with the desperation of a drowning man. Because, like, I have a disease that wants me dead will settle for me eating. And I only have my daily reprieve. I hope that answers your question. Thank you so much, Marzi. And Kathy C., your question. Hi, good morning, Katie G. May I be heard? Yes. 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 I I have the exact same question as more of the um so uh I really have nothing else to ask. Thank you. It was great hearing you. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. I hope I answered Thank it. You. Yes, you did. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Kathy C. Now we'll go on to Gladys F. Hi, this is Gladys. Can you hear me? Sure can. Oh, good morning. Um I really, like, really, really identified with your uh, lead this morning. I mean, I, I couldn't believe it when I woke up that you were talking. I, I didn't hear the beginning that you were talking about some of the things that I've been going through uh, because I picked up um, in my um, idea uh, sexual, you know, sexual behavior, and I did it while I was on the um uh, 10 step and um, 
Also, there was an issue came up for me with dishonesty, which I kind of glide over it, and it's been bothering me. And um, then when I ended up getting in the relationship, I picked up in the sexual conduct, and I ended up getting back in an unhealthy relationship. Uh, it, um, I mean, I've just been just miserable, miserable. I was doing so good at first. I've been feeling really, like, miserable. Having been wanting to do my uh, 10, 10 and 11 uh my sponsor did continue on to, like, step 12 because I had I, I still had neutrality around the food. But I noticed even though that I haven't, like, picked up my uh, red light food, it, it's, my food is getting, Excuse like, Excuse me, Gladys, in the, interest of, in the interest of time, could we find out what your question is, too? I'm sorry. Okay, I just wanted to say I'm, where. My apologies. You know. Yeah. Okay, it's, I was getting there. Thank you for the reminder. Um, and it's getting, you know, I just identified with so much you said a lot that's similar to what I'm going through. But basically, what my question is is that I I kept hearing you say about uh you kept doing an informal inventory and then finally you did a formal one and I just wanted to know what did you mean by that? Thanks, Goddess, and um I'm so sorry for your pain. I really I really relate to it. Um you know we get back into the bedevilments um on page fifty two you know, having trouble with personal relations and um, not being able to make a living. And I, I so relate to that. It's like you put down the food, you go through the steps, and then you've really got some some meaty stuff to look at. Um, so in terms of, oh, my gosh, I totally, Melanie, what was the exact question again? I totally slipped. It's like when you can't mention that you, you did. You kept oh, my informal inventory. Yeah, okay, so all I meant... Um, informal, informal. Yeah, so when I say formal, I mean, like, um, as we do, as we talk about on the Vision for You line every morning, so directly out of the text. Um, when I said informal, I meant, like, all other ways of doing the steps. So there are many ways of doing the steps um, that are identified in 12-step rooms. So I just did them differently. I used other resources, which are great, and supplement my step work. Um, but they, when I did them informally, it was like a supplement. It was using a supplement as my primary text. And in my humble opinion, I can't get away from that primary text. The primary primary text is what works. The integrity of the primary text is what works. So other resources are wonderful supplements, but they weren't formal for me. So, um, and I'd be happy to talk to you offline about um, sex conduct and things like that. That's all um, stuff that I can tell you today. I, I have such neutrality and um, I have no shame around it. Um, in fact, my husband came to hear me talk on my sex inventory at his first OA meeting about a month ago. And um, it's all good. I got to work on it, though, every day. So with that, I pass. I hope that answers your question. Thank you, Gladys F. Thank you so much. And thank you, KUG, for your responses. Um, would anyone else like to ask KUG a question this morning? Press star one. Lad M. Lad M. Lad M. Lad M. Matt M. Anybody else? Gina R. I'm sorry? Joanne L. Joanne L. And Hilda S. Hilda S. Gina R. Okay, 
I did get you, Gina. Thanks so much. Or maybe I didn't say, but you have you there. Thank you so much. Um, okay, good. We have a good lineup again here. Charles H. and Leah S., Matt M., Joanne L., Gina R., and Hilda S. So um, good morning, Charles H. Your question, please. Thank you very much for your um, presentation. And I just want to say, don't don't backpedal. When you, you do a great job. You don't have to backpedal and validate for nobody. But my question real quick is, um, in your interaction with not just program people, because that's recovery glaze, just um, your interaction, your one-on-one conversation with people, um, you know, in, 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 in you, you know, doing your step, your yearly step work, going back to step one, we do that every day anyway, but um, do you do you see that your, your one-on-one conversation with people in general is getting better, like, do you like you allow them to speak, or do you do you feel that you're growing in that area that you don't zap the energy out of one-on-one conversations? Do you feel that you know um, as your program progresses? Because I agree with what you say with the ten steps. Um, it, that it don't magic. It's not magically working like that. Um, but do you? My question is: Do you feel um, that your one-on-one conversations, whether they're in program, whether they're not in program, your husband or your your patients are they getting better as a result of 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 your program growing and and being enhanced? Thank you. Yo, Charles H. Thanks for for that great question. You know what? They really are. I have a big mouth, like a lot of you know that. And um, <laughs> so, just the other night, husband hadn't texted me on my time frame, which is like really, really bad in my very, very small no god world. So I did an inventory, Charles, and um, you know, whereas last year I would have probably had a lot of words to say, no comment was made to him at all. So I'm learning how to practice restraint of tongue and pen. Or just the other day. I have a patient who also has a lot to say. And for so many years in program, it felt like if you have a lot to say, I need to speak louder. I need you to hear me more. And it's a competition. And um, the other day, this man had a lot to say, and I shut my mouth. Um, Or even, that's why I love this question, like um, when I go to work, like people want to be around me. Like we have positive conversations and um, that's brand new. And you know what, Charles, like, you know, like there are days that I wake up and I'm just on the wrong side of the bed. I have a bad spiritual hairdo and I do a lot of damage, but um, I don't have a lot of damage, but I do damage. And what's different is I'm so much faster. Oh, here's something, Charles. I, um, about two months ago, I kept lying to my husband about the dog he was um, asking, had the dog been walked? And in two instances, I said yes, and he had not. And um, the first time it took me, I think, 12 hours to tell him the truth. The second time it took me one hour, and he was very angry. But, Charles, I haven't done it again. Like, I was able to make amends and then change. So, yeah, like, but you know what, Charles? Like, it's exactly like you always talk about. Like, I think it's changing because, I need to keep growing and I need to keep working with all of you and learning from all of you. Like I have a loud mouth personality. So I love talking to you guys who have quieter personalities who can teach me how to listen and how to be compassionate. Um, So yeah, yeah, it keeps 
changing, right? Like it's getting better each day. Thanks. Thank you, Charles, for your question. Leah, ask you next. Thank you so much. Thank you, um, Katie. Thank you so very much. Um, So here's my question. My question is, um, how do you work with sponsees who are very possessive about their privacy and anonymity? And... um, so, so this is this is where I'm at. Uh, you know, I can ask a whole bunch, give them a whole bunch list of questions to, just to determine whether they're a compulsive overeater, and all the other questions that are relevant to this program. And then they get stuck, and they say, "Well, some of them have said, you know, I don't want to share that with you, and I respect that. So I do refer them to their priest or to their rabbi or mentor, whoever it is, you know, and then they just drop me." And uh, some of them call back, and we're right back to step one. What are your views about this? Thank you. Yeah, I mean, in terms of anonymity, I um, I know this isn't exactly anonymity, but what protects me um, is from, like, my gossiping is I don't know who my sponsors, other sponsees are. I know this isn't anonymity, but it helps me with gossip. <laughs> Um, and nobody knows who I sponsor because the minute I start getting into that, like I'm personalities and I want to call your sponsor and find out what your sponsor, like I just get messy. Um, so that's what I was moved to share about that. Um, privacy, like um, I, <laughs> I don't know, like I can only help my sponsees and my sponsor can only help me with what I'm willing to talk about. I mean, you reference about, you know, referring them to a priest, like, We can change sponsors at will, and, you know, step five, you can share your um, step four with anyone you want to, Um, but I can only help a sponsee, and my sponsor can only help me with what I'm willing to talk about, so when I wasn't willing to tell my sponsor, and, you know, one of my best buds used to be my sponsor, and I was lying to her, so I was living in the bedevilments when I would call her, but she couldn't help me because I wasn't telling her I was lying. So I, as you guys all know, I'm like, I'm pretty transparent um, today. So I just, you know, I'm not, there's a not for every wrench. I'm not for every woman who wants recovery, um, but I can only help with what she's willing to talk about with me. If I don't know it, I can't help it. I can't help her. So um, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's, um, that's where I'm at. And, you know, like, it's not up to me to decide who I help and who I don't like, I can only share their program that's working for me out of the book, um, and uh, and that's it. So I hope that helps. Precisely, precisely. That's exactly what I do. But um, as far as anonymity is concerned, is that um, I do I do the very first thing when I speak to them is I tell them that you know whatever is in my power it it will stay within you know my ears and it won't go out. And I hope you do the same. And um, and then when they leave me, uh, well, you know what? It's it. I guess I guess I am doing the right thing. I just wanted to voice it and just see if I, <laughs> you know, if if this is so. If this because obviously this program is working for me. So thank you, Katie. Sure. The thank only other prayer. I, the oh. only other thing I wanted to add real quick is that um, my favorite. 
prayer is that or mantra is God is sending me who I need, what I need, when I need for as long as I need it. Like God's got to be in the center and I don't know who I'm supposed to help and who I'm not. So, I mean, if I don't, there's a nut for every wrench, guys. I'm a kind of nut that can't help everybody. That's why there are so many amazing people on this line. So, Thanks so much, you guys. Um, Matt M., your question, please. Hi, right, thank you for your service. Thank you for your share, KG. What I wanted to ask you, since I was kind of waking up when you were mentioning it, what, what happened with your job, and how did you want to eliminate Medicare fraud? If you don't mind expanding on that again, please. Yeah, sure. Um, I can say it today because I've uh, I've made amends. Um, so I'm a um, I'm in healthcare. I'm a speech therapist. So I treat patients and I bill. Um, so what I was doing is going to work, um, saying that I treated patients for a certain amount of time and only treating them for like two minutes, and I was leaving work. So I was billing for treatment that I didn't do. Um, and leaving work while on the time clock, because I punch into a time clock, I'm an hourly employee, and I was leaving work. I mean, that's number one violation. I should have been fired. Um, and I, since that time, I've, I've made amends and had a miraculous restoration to sanity. I hope that answers your question. Thank you, Matt. You Appreciate the question. Joanne L., your question this morning. Good morning, Katie. This is Joanne from Rhode Island, and thank you so, so much for your share. I really appreciate it. Melanie, thank you for your service. I have a question, and I think I heard this right. You could correct me if I did not. I heard you say that when you go to meetings for Vision for You meetings, Vision for You meetings, that you say that you're recovered. Um, but then if you don't go to a Vision for You meeting, you say you don't say that you're a recovered compulsive overeater either. And I'm just wondering why. Like, why wouldn't you say it at all meetings? Sure. Thanks for the question. Um, unfortunately, if I said that, um, please wipe it from your mind because <laughs> that's not true. Um, in the Big Book Step Study meetings in Boston, um, People don't say recovered. I say recovered, no matter where I am and what I do, um, because I believe to say anything else would be like spitting in God's face. I do believe that I'm recovered, not cured, contingent on the maintenance of my spiritual condition. Like when I look up recovered, you know, I don't want the food today. I do want to live. I am in a place of neutrality. Um, so I do absolutely 100%. Um, that's why I you know, love this meeting, and you guys are all modeling for me. I, I absolutely do. Um, I just was differentiating for all of you that you know, not every meeting that studies the big book identifies as recovered, and that vision for you isn't the only meeting that studies the big book. Um, so, and so I, I was just kind of trying to clarify that. I hope that helps. Okay, thank you very much. Sure. Thank you, Joanna. The next person with the questions, Gina R. Gina R. Star one. Sorry, I thought I was one more person next. Uh, thank you so much, Katie G. and Melanie for your service. Katie, could you talk a little more about um, sex relations? Um, I know when. I very first did my um, work through the steps. It was a fairly narrow view. And when I did it this time through uh, the guide through um, 
COA way through this vision way, it was a little more expansive. And I was just wondering if you could expand on what sex relations constitutes for you and how you approached it. Sure. Thank you. Um, the first time I did the work with the Big Book Subsidy, um, I looked at it as um, anybody that I had um, sex relations with. Um, but I also looked at my relationships with my father, my brother, so um, members of the opposite sex or members of the same sex where sex conduct um, started to get um, blurry. Um, so sex conduct is just another place to look at my selfishness. That all, that's all it is. But it's like a way of manipulating my selfishness um, as it relates to sex conduct. Because I may not have sex with you, but um, in the past, you know, like if I'm dealing with a vendor or somebody who's male, I might use my sex powers inappropriately. Um, I also, you know, 15, no, 10 years ago, I wrote an inventory of who, um, like a sex ideal of who God wanted me to be. Now, at the time, I wasn't married. So I, um, I continue to do work in the sex conduct and I do an updated sex inventory all the time. And I go to the questions on page 69 and I answer um, the questions and then I write like a new ideal about who God wants me to be. So like, again, right before I got married, who does God want me to be as a wife? And in this most recent sex inventory, like once I had done that like groundwork, I didn't need to revisit those other relationships. Um, so I think my sex conduct inventory was pretty much my husband. Yeah, actually, there might have been one or two people I dated. So it's gotten narrower and narrower, but I continue to look at, and I see, in my humble opinion, the, the um, sex idea of who God wants me to be as something that's, like, alive. It's like a document that God and I need to continue to work on because I can continue to see where um, areas that I can be selfish in my sex conduct and how to nurture um, the sex conduct that I, you know, is safe in the confines of, you know, my marriage today, how to make that um, really a priority. And um, so it's always growing and changing for me. I hope that answers your question. Yes, it does. And it just uh, occurred to me again, I'm sure it wasn't intended, but the fact that that subject matter ended up on page 69 just floors me. Exactly. 69. And it's a great place to go. Like if you're dating, if you're in any sort of um, relationship with someone, like get to page 69, keep looking at it over and over again. Thank you. Yep. Thank you, Gina, for your question. And just a general reminder that those that are waiting in queue or waiting to maybe ask a question, if you could stay muted with the star one, that will maintain the clear line that we have and not any interference for the recording. Thank you so much. Hilda S., your question, please. Star one, Hilda. Okay. Hi, this is Hilda S. Thank you for your service. Um, very helpful. Great way to start the day. Um, I have a question, just a quick quick question about what you said um, earlier on about thoughts make actions and actions make behavior. I just wanted you to repeat that because it sounded really very um, helpful. Yeah, it's one of my favorite quotes. And um, one of you people who remembers names can um, let us know who it's by, because I think someone really important said it. Um, so basically what it is, is is thoughts make action. Action makes habit. Habit makes character. And character makes destiny. So basically, like, my thinking determines 
my destiny. So if mm-hmm. you think about it, like when I have a food thought, if I stay focused on the food, ultimately I'm going to eat, right? So if I stay mm-hmm. focused on the problem, the problem increases. If I focus on the solution, God, the solution increases. Um, you know, there's a, there's a text that I work with that's not um, – 12-step, but it was very influential in 12-step that talks about concepts of like golden keying a situation. So basically taking a problem and giving it to God and how to, on a, like if you have a problem during the day, like how to continue to give it to God because all I can change is I'm not responsible. I, I can't change what happens to me, but I can change how I respond no matter what's happening in my life. So that's, I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Oops, I'm sorry. Sorry, I jumped on you, Hilda. Apologies. Thank you for the question, Hilda. Um, maybe one last invitation, Katie, for questions, or do you need to go? No, I'm good. Whatever you guys need. You're good. Okay, let's go one last round of asking folks that might have a question for you here on your presentation. Star one for your question, please, to Katie. Daphne K. Margaret D. Hi, Daphne Kay. Hi, Margaret D. Anybody else? This will be our last round, ladies and gentlemen. Dana W. Hi, Dana W. Hi. Okay, let's go with that. We'll assume then that uh, the questions have been asked. And we'll get um, Katie's contact information at the end anyway, so you'll be able to call her maybe one-on-one. Okay, good morning, Daphne Kay. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot, Melanie, and thank you so much, Katie, for your honesty um, in your share. I really appreciated it. Um, my question to you is when um, you were um, towards the beginning of your um, share, you were talking about prayer, and you were talking about, I think you mentioned the word block, but you had talked about that, you know, you now it's very different than when it was then, your prayer, you, you said, you know, I pray much, much more than I did then. And I don't know if you said much better or more, but I was just wondering if you could just speak a little to that change, um, that an area where I'm really struggling. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Me too. I struggled for a long time. Like I heard y'all say prayer was going to change things. And I was like, yep, yep, yep. Um, I did a lot of like rote prayer for a long time. Um, and I still, because of my upbringing, I still do some formal prayers, um, like all the time, um, cause they help me, they soothe me. What I meant is, um, so as I talked about in my step 10 and 11, like I'm identifying where I'm falling short. Right. And, um, God is either everything or he is nothing. What is my choice to be? So like every time I have a problem, I need to talk to God about it. Like only God can change me. And so I really pray to God. Like I pray for my husband. I pray for um, God to remove my character defects. Like I, I don't know what else to do, but to pray to God to remove my character defects. I don't know what else to do, but to pray to God to like, help the women who I know who are pregnant because I'm feeling so jealous or help the women um, who I know who are going through in vitro fertilization as well and um, help them because, um, you know, I just, I get so much from praying for, for others. Um, And I also look at all of my thoughts as prayers, like talking to God, like God is my friend and I talk to him all day long and a way to, a, way, a thing that helps me too is like a lot of my recovered buddies, they like offer me little prayers 
um, I pray at the start of conversations because um, I don't I don't do the dump on me calls anymore. I I can't. Um, so prayer is just a constant dialogue with God and um, you know a way of of looking at the most important relationship in my life. Like um, I heard this guy talk about the difference between um, or what conscious contact is. Like we all know that there are state troopers around, right, and that we shouldn't speed, okay? But so conscious contact is when the state trooper has pulled me over and the lights are flashing, like, there's nothing else. There's nothing else. And I would be lying if I said I was, like, state trooper 100% of the time, but that's my goal, right? And um, and so, um, and I do have some books that have really taught me about how to pray and, like, formal prayer and informal prayer, um, and I'd love to talk to you about it. And I have a list. That's the other thing. I have a list. I use my phone for everything. And um, I have alarms that go off and they remind me of the people that are making me the most angry every day. I need to pray for them daily until I'm done being angry with them because it's my problem. And I don't have the luxury of resentment, right? Because if I do, if I allow myself to play with that for long enough, eating will be a step up from how I think. And that is, that's just true. That was so helpful. Thank you so much, Katie. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks. Thank you for your question, Daphne K. Margaret D. Um, hey, I have just a quick question. First of all, thank you, everybody, for all of your service. And I just cackled uh, when I heard the little story about lying to your husband about whether you'd walk the dog. Um, my question is, when you made your amends, does that mean that you now walk the dog or that you don't tell your husband anymore that you walked the dog when you didn't, or does that mean you just say, I'm not walking the dog? Thanks. Okay. I love you for that question. So somebody told me once um, I complicate things. Like if you ask me what time it is, I'll I'll tell you how to make a clock. Um, Usually honesty for me is really black and white. So I have a family, a new family, right? Like my husband and my dog and God willing, our children. So I got to contribute. Like I'm a dog walker. I, we got a dog last year. It's part of my role as a mama in this family to walk the dog. So it means that if I'm selfish and I don't walk the dog, I say I didn't walk the dog. If I'm living in the sunlight of the spirit and my glasses are clean, I've shined them up to the light, I've seen the dirt, I've cleaned it off, I've done, and I'm asked about, did I walk the dog? I say yes. So um, it's not so much on, it's not very complicated. It's just being honest about what I've done. It's just a very black and white truth. Does that answer your question? Yeah, actually, um, it, it does in part, yeah. But thank you so much. I know um, time is up. Thank you. Yeah, and call me. I mean, I'm, you guys know if you talk to me, I love phone calls, and I I return calls within 24 hours uh, 99% of the time. So, I, you know, call me. We can talk. Thank you, Margaret D. And Dana W., you will round out our day of questions today and presentation. Your question, please. Thank you and good morning. Thank you so much for this program and for everyone that has made it possible today. Uh, This is Dana W., um, Recovering Compulsive Overeater in Alabama. Um, When I got into acceptance about the sex inventory, um, I had to admit that I never really knew that smiling 
at certain men, you know, would be um, provocative um, and considered a flirtation. Um, when I got older and wiser, um, I did start realizing that I shouldn't be as friendly to men as I was, you know, with my, my friends, my lady friends. So the question is, um, if I'm not aware of something, you know, my Bible tells me that to he who does not know something is sin, it's not a sin. But at the point of that I, I become aware, so I started working on my inventory as to when I became aware. Would that be correct? And thank you so much. Um, in terms of when you became aware, I mean, okay, I just need to start with, we're not the arbiter of anybody's sex conduct. So I don't like, we all get to decide like what is okay and not okay behaviors in terms of sex, as long as I'm not being selfish, right? Like I can do anything and I'm not going to be told in this program not to have certain practices in my sex conduct. But unless I'm being selfish, and then we were talking about something different. So, um, no, I mean, I didn't, as I understand your question, I did a lot of things not aware. I mean, that's how I was working and lying for so long, because I just was kind of lying to myself. Um, so I do inventory from the time the behavior starts. Because I need to take um, responsibility for the behavior. Um, this isn't about, you know, flagellating. Um, but like, as we know better, we do better. But I do need to take responsibility for my behavior my whole life. Um, I had poor sex conduct behavior my whole life. So I really needed to look at um, my whole life and take responsibility because I had harmed others. And don't go make an amends to your sex conduct on your sex conduct list until you've talked to at least, you know, your sponsor and another recovered person because we can do more damage. Um, but me too. I, I've um, found new ways that God wants me to live today. You know, I don't, um, I don't have male friends, um, not because my husband asked me not to, but because that's just not a place I go, um, and it's a way I honor my husband. Um, so. Um, I hope that helps, but, you know, we, we do a lot of things in addiction not knowing, and um, I need to take responsibility, a, a searching and fearless moral inventory, which means for me my whole life. So I hope that answers your question, and you can always call me offline. We can chat. Thank you. It does. Um, I just, you know, really don't have much of one to do. Um, raised a Christian, you know, and didn't have, you know, much of a history at all, but um so, yeah, I just really had to take responsibility to how, um, you know, smiling, you know, even at guys at church, you know, how that would have uh, a negative effect. And so now I I don't do that anymore unless I know this person's like a really strong Christian and wouldn't take my niceness the wrong way. But thank you very much. It's been very helpful. Um, and um, have a blessed day. Thank you. Good, yeah. I mean, stay grounded in what God reveals to you is your truth. I mean, that's awesome. Good job. Thanks. Thank you, Dana W., for your question. And that ends our, our time this morning on Sunday Special Edition. And thank you so much, Katie, for the sharing that you did from your experience, strength, and hope. It was wonderful, and it was deep, and especially for answering these individual questions this morning. And it's, I just appreciate it very much.
And again, the share IDs for Friday, 7 a.m. is 9809. And for the Friday, 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 9810. 9810. This is Friday, the 7th of April that we're talking about. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164. And Katie then will give her information, hopefully, after we close the meeting. Thank you so much. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.